Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of Starting With a Song. I'm your host, Amanda Mazzo, and I am so glad you're joining us. My guest today is no stranger to the microphone. As a speaker and advocate, she has a healthy disrespect for the impossible, one of the many reasons why we're friends. You'll love her infectious energy and big heart as we talk about her journey with music, motherhood, and type 1 diabetes. Here's my conversation with Rachel Mayo. Oh gosh, this button keeps popping. Oh, I'm, I'm so I'm not, sorry. I'm not even looking. It's um, fine. Do I just need, got this shirt yesterday, so I'm do you still need a safety suit. pin? No, I mean I might, but well, I don't even know if I have oh one. Gosh. I was offering. <laughs> we can staple it. I'm just gonna wear my coat the whole time. <laughs> now uh, tell me, you're from here, right? Like, I are am you born and raised? Born and raised here, Middle Tennessee. I grew up in Mount Juliet, which is just 20 miles east yeah. of the city. Uh huh. And I live there now. Haven't always lived there, but there's a Target there now, so it's cool. <laughs> It has, I mean, it's it grown. Is, it is. When yeah. I grew up, um, there were 9,000 people in Mount Juliet, and uh, we got excited when the McDonald's got added on to the BP. Oh. And there was nothing past Cracker Barrel. Oh, I mean, my nothing, gosh. Nothing. So Providence wasn't oh, no. even there. No. Yeah. That wasn't a thing until I was in college, so. Oh, wow. Yeah. Where'd you go to school? Western Kentucky. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go What's tops. the... I was going to say, what's the mascot? Because that's mascot? one I can't even like. Oh, <laughs> like, what is that? Amanda, the mascot <laughs> is Big Red. And let me tell you, I was the mascot <gasps> for three years. Stop. Yes. Yeah. How do you. OK, so <laughs> how does one become. Does one go to the powers that be and say, I would be an amazing mascot. Give me a shot. Well, okay. Or do you just show school spirit and they pick you? So I don't know how it works at other places. I've never <laughs> been before college. I was never a mascot. I don't mm-hmm. know what that process is like, okay. but I was in a dorm. It was freshman year. Mm-hmm. I was visiting one of my friend's dorms and there's this flyer on the wall and it says big red tryouts. So big red is a mascot. The signature move of big red is the belly jiggle. So for your listeners who don't know what Big Red looks like. <laughs> I'm going to link to it <laughs> yes. in the show notes okay, for sure. You have to. Um, the costume that now it's just basically a fat suit, but then it was three hula hoops with fabric over it, basically. Oh. So you're basically like. <laughs> <laughs> you're hula hooping. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard to explain. But the first time I saw Big Red at a basketball game, I was like, oh. It's on my bucket list. I'm going to jiggle the belly. Like, I want to jiggle the belly. <laughs> so then I see this flyer. And for you're like, audition come true. And I was like, I mean, I'm not going to get it, but I, I can at least get in that costume and jiggle the belly. And Boom, you'll never know if you don't try. Exactly. Right, right. So I go to tryouts. They have you put on the costume and they give you a couple different scenarios. So we're in the arena and they say a bald man and a small child just walked in. What do you do? And so you have to act out what you're going to do. So they give you various scenarios. (laughs) Now, now, hang on. Hold up. So let's say a bald man and a child do walk in. So what does that what does that entail? What what, kind of reaction are we getting? (laughs) what Rachel did as Big Red is I ran up to the small child okay 
and like, you know, wait. I was like, oh, hi. I mean, but not you speaking. Can't speak. You can't sure. speak. Sure, sure. And then I stand up to the bald man and I just like rubbed his head. Okay. Okay. So that's what I did. That feels logical. Yeah. Uh, obviously. I don't know what else you would do. I mean, just stand there and stare. Um, I'm sure other people, I'm sure other people did creative things. Oh my gosh. Um, I would love to see that. It was, I really wish they videotaped it and that I had a videotape or maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, and then they would play, I can't remember the, the song, but they played a minute of, you know, some like pump up song sure, and you yeah. had to just Music, dance yeah. around and be whatever. And jiggle so that belly. yeah, jiggle that belly. And I jiggled that belly. And so I <laughs> <laughs> totally forgot about it. Right. Cause that was the thing is I jiggled the belly check done next thing. Right. And then I'm at Walmart with my roommate picking up pictures that we got developed. Right. Because it was That's 2005. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> And I get a phone call. Oh my gosh. And they offered me Big Red number three. So there's Big Red number one, which is the main Big Red. Okay. He or she is at the football games, like the big type of events. Mm -hmm. There's number two, number three, and number four. Okay. Offered me number three. And I was like, (laughs) my roommate said, (laughs) she said, are you okay? You look like someone just died. Because my face was white. I was sweating. Oh, no. And I accepted it. And then that was my life for the next three years. So as Big Red number three, is that does that mean that it is not as big of a commitment as Big Red number one Correct. or two? Yeah. So Big Red is in high demand. Right. More so than one would think. And does Big Red have to be in two places at once or maybe oh, four places at once? a lot of times, once? yeah. So there were only two costumes when I was there. So okay. a lot of the times I would have to take the costume directly after a sweaty man. Oh, gross. Step right into it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, act like everything's okay. Um, For breeze it down. <laughs> so much. So much. Um but yeah, a lot of the times Big Red was in two places at once, but never to where they would be seen together. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, it would be like, okay, there's a basketball game, but there's also this wedding someone wants Big Red at. I did not know that about you, but well, I love that. That is always my go-to fact whenever people, you know, whenever you're doing icebreakers, it's like, tell someone something that they don't know about you. Yeah. Or something they wouldn't guess. I was I was a mascot for three years. Now, here's the thing is now people people who know me now mm-hmm. say, oh, yeah, I can totally see you as a mascot. Oh, yeah. But people who knew me before would never like 18 year old Rachel. No one would say, yeah, she's definitely going to be a mascot for three years. Not a thing that would happen. But now people are like, oh, yeah, makes perfect sense. I mean, duh. <laughs> That's so. so awesome. So growing up in Mount Juliet. What are your earliest memories of music? I am. Because I also know that you're a dancer. Yes. Uh-huh. I I danced a lot. I came out of the womb dancing. <laughs> um, my sister is a singer. And oh, really? She plays guitar. Uh-huh. So we're a musical family. Yeah. My godfather um, plays guitar for John Conley and has played at the Opry for, I mean, Plays there every week for years and years and years and years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so we, I have a lot of musical 
memories. Yeah. Um, Steve, my godfather, would always bring over his guitar at family gatherings and we he'd sing a song. Um, I don't sing. I mean, I do sing, but no one wants me to. <laughs> They're like, okay, just leave it. Maybe leave it to your sister. My mom uh, calls that making a joyful noise. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> I, I love to make joyful noises. <laughs> um, but it's not so joyful to everyone else. My sister, she would, I mean, just come to the dinner table with a parody of some song or just singing about what's in front of her. And it's always hilarious. I mean, we give her a hard time because we're like, come on, Jenny. <laughs> but we're all dying laughing on the inside. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, she's the singer, songwriter, instrument player. Um, I played the piano for a few years. I played clarinet. I played handbells. <gasps> I played handbells. Oh. Well, okay. Let me back up. And that's so weird because I didn't remember that until you said that. We had, they called it chime bell choir. Oh. So these weren't actually like the bell-shaped right, the bells, they were bells the chimes. Uh-huh. that you would see like at church, church or something. Yeah. These were like, mm-hmm. yeah, bars. Yep. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, they're yeah. like these metal Maybe not metal, but they're like these bar things mm-hmm. with mallets. Yep. And you would go, bing, yep. bing. I know. Yeah. This is going to sound great because I you're know. not able to see what I'm doing. <laughs> this is when we need video. <laughs> uh, that would be super helpful. We'll but take yeah. a video and we'll post it. Yes. Um, I started playing handbells when I was nine at church. Okay. And um, I played until I was like 20, basically. <gasps> really? I, loved it. I mean, one of my, did you have the white gloves? Oh, of course, but you have practice gloves and you have performance gloves. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So practice gloves, I mean, they're just, they're ratty, whatever. They don't get washed as often. Um, the white, the performance gloves stay white, white, mm-hmm. and they have like a Velcro around the wrist. Whereas the performance gloves do not, they just look a lot nicer. Okay. Whenever I am, trying to get to know someone and I'm just like trying to make them feel more comfortable. I make myself look like a giant nerd. So whatever they're about to say, it's totally fine. They're like, Oh, well, if she's going to say that about herself, I can, I I can can open up. Yeah. Yeah. So I always say the two nerdiest things about me. I can never decide is that I love and I'm good at handbells Mm -hmm. and I love and I'm good at line dancing. Oh, so there you go. You don't get nerdier than that. I just love it. I was in like a handbell trio. So we would what? have like 12 or 13 bells each. And we're oh my just, gosh. Yeah. And like at that point, you just have to memorize the song because yeah. you don't have time to, no. to read the music and flip the pages. Yeah. It's just, it was so much fun. And I just love, I mean, music is a huge part of my life. And around here in Nashville, it's assumed that music is singing and playing a guitar. Right. But for me, it's it's dancing, it's handbells. I don't play the piano anymore. I can still read music. Mm-hmm. But at, now that I have Noah, my one-year-old. Mm-hmm. And hashtag extra get, mayo. Hashtag extra mayo. That's right. <laughs> um, it's the perfect hashtag. It is the perfect uh, hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it really is. It really it is. It was like my favorite part. I'm like, that is freaking genius yeah um i wish i could take credit for it i can't even remember who came up with it but it wasn't me (laughs) but i want to get him 
into music. So I've already told myself, Rachel, you're going to learn to read music again. You guys are going to take piano lessons together. You're going to do all this stuff. And I really, really hope he loves to dance because. I mean, it's going to be in his blood. I'm sure. It is. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. As a one-year-old, do you even see any kind of like. Yes. Okay. This is me coming from like, I have a cat. So help me understand. (laughs) motherhood here (laughs) so he definitely shows interest in music I mean he's always like bouncing up and down when music comes on he has favorite songs um so he can feel a beat oh he can feel a beat rhythm okay he definitely has some rhythm I mean there's there's no doubt about it that he'll have musical ability yeah whether it's singing or dancing or playing an instrument or all of them who knows but yeah, he'll like he loves Dolly Parton nine to five. Oh but, <laughs> my gosh, raising him right. I know, right? But he also loves like the hot dog dance at the end of Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. I mean, he gets <laughs> hype. My mom is in education, and I mentioned this before, but like when I was growing up, that I mean, I had a natural inclination to music, but she in her profession had done a lot of brain research with studying Mm -hmm. and, you know, learning and how music and even outside of music, just art, like how that whole creative brain, it really helps you in other areas of your life. Yeah. So I think that's really interesting just watching small children and how they even just like beating a drum or something. Yeah. I read so much about that. Yeah. It really is. I mean, and you can start so early. I mean, it's like learning a new language, learning music, learning art is Mm -hmm. like learning a new language. Mm -hmm. And I take him to it's called Zumbini. It's kind of like a baby Zumba class. Uh, that so sounds incredible. It's amazing. <laughs> but they have like all these baby instruments basically. Yeah. So they can just kind of play with them and then they play music and the music has directions for dancing. Okay. And like we're walking around in a circle and we're going down, we're going up. So it's just. And That's, it's that like reminds that. me of like there used to be. When I was younger, they had, I don't know if they still do, but there was a program called like Kinder Music. Kinder Music. Yeah. It's still the same thing. Mm. Okay. Well, or similar. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And before I move to the next part, I, I do want to hear about your dancing as well, because yeah. what I remember, this was actually before Noah was born, but you've always been such an advocate for people like to bring joy into their lives. And sometimes you would just be like, okay, we're taking a dance break. Join me. (laughs) And here we are, (laughs) you know? Yeah. It's so, it's so true. I mean, I personally think the world would be a better place if everyone danced, like if everyone took a dance lesson, I took ballet and acrobatics Mm -hmm. and jazz and hip hop and all that fun stuff growing Mm -hmm. up. And then, um, you know, you go to college and it's like, oh, what do I what do I do now? Right. And I thought about minoring in dance, but I was like, what am I going to do with that? So what did you study in school? Uh, Public relations and psychology. Okay, yeah. Great. I would if I had to do it again. I would, but I still loved dancing. But at some point, you know, with that type of dance with ballet and jazz, I mean, you kind of hit a peak really young. (laughs) (laughs) And especially me, it's not like it was, I didn't live, eat, breathe, dance. Mm -hmm. It was just my really fun hobby that brought me immense joy. Mm -hmm. So in college, I started learning how to swing dance because you can swing dance when you're 95. Yeah. You can't pop, block, and drop it when you're 95. I mean, you can, but you might hurt yourself. Yeah. So, um, I started swing dancing in college and it was just 
so much fun. So different than anything I'd ever done. Yeah. Um, but it really is like, that is the most joyful type of dance I have ever done. I would like make dance videos like, Hey, um, I have this dance. I don't know, not competition, but like, give me your songs. You want me to dance to yeah. and I'll dance and I'll put this video together. Um, and I want to see your dance videos too. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. I think let's it's, all be silly together and not yeah. take life so seriously. Exactly. You there know? aren't a lot of, our culture today is a lot of hustle and go and do and accomplish. And there's not a lot of people encouraging people to just breathe for a second. Oh my gosh. Just come on, have fun. And it's not so serious. Come on with that. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm over here like shaking my head in, emphatically because I've said that for the past, like even the past handful of recordings that we've done that has come up consistently. And that's one of the things like the past, I would say like November really hit me. It just felt so busy. And I hate that because it's my favorite time of year, November and December. And if I'm so busy, you can't enjoy it. I can't enjoy it. You want to enjoy your experiences. What is the point of life in general? Yes. (laughs) I mean, mean, you can run yourself ragged doing amazing things Mm -hmm. but if you're tired and worn down I mean it's just it's not doing anybody any favors no exactly especially not you no so we talk a lot on here about metaphorical singing I think there's also some of these patterns that I'm seeing it's a lot of people helping other people Mm -hmm. sing through stuff Mm -hmm. and so I want to talk a little bit about your story with type one Mm -hmm. and then fast forwarding a little bit to where you are now and seeing the impact that using the things that you know now and looking back on where you've been and being able to help other people. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know that's like a (laughs) very complex. So if we could just, (laughs) yeah, if you could put words to that. Oh man. Yeah. So, okay. I was, um, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was 18. Mm -hmm. It was the day after my freshman year of college ended. And that was unknown. I mean, probably most of the people who are listening to this podcast don't know what type 1 diabetes is. Yeah, I'd love for you to explain that. Yeah. Like what what that even looks like. Sure. So when I tell people I have type 1 diabetes, and I always have to say type 1 diabetes instead of just diabetes. And Mm -hmm. they're like, oh... Um, my grandma has that or whatever, you know, my great uncle or basically the old person in my family has that. I literally, I gave a presentation one time and it was literally titled, this isn't your grandma's diabetes because it's, it's an autoimmune disease. Mine is an autoimmune disease, just like RA or Mm -hmm. celiac disease. It is not preventable. It's not curable. How interesting. So I have an autoimmune as well. I have psoriatic arthritis. Mm -hmm. And I would have never thought to put that in the same category category as type one. Yeah. Interesting. So they're all, and and a lot of people who are diagnosed with type one also end up getting diagnosed with other autoimmune diseases. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's kind of, they call the trifecta. Um, It's most common for people with type one, if they're going to be diagnosed with another autoimmune disease, Mm -hmm. to be diagnosed with celiac and or Hashimoto's. Oh, geez. So some people have all three of those and it's just so difficult to me. Wow. Um, so I'm very grateful that, you know, I've just got the one Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for now. I've just got the one. Um, so it's autoimmune. 
I did not get it because I ate a lot of Big Macs at that McDonald's that got added on to the BP station. I didn't get it because, you know, I ate too much sugar. It's mm-hmm. just there's no, we don't know why people develop it still. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of research being done um, continually. Mm-hmm. So I have to manage my blood sugar levels with insulin. And a lot of, there are so many options for people with type one. You can use an insulin pump. You can take injections with a pen or a syringe. You can wear a continuous glucose monitor. It checks your blood sugar every five minutes, sends it the number to your phone. Like that's what I wear. So I wear an insulin pump and I wear a CGM. Some people just, they want to go what I call old school and they just give themselves injections with a pen um, and a syringe and they just prick their finger and check their blood sugar like that several times a day. And there's tons of therapies in between those two. And so technology is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. I mean, I can tap my phone right now and Mm -hmm. I swipe left and I see that my blood sugar is actually 113, which is amazing. (laughs) Um, It should be, you know, um, a quote unquote normal person's blood sugar Mm -hmm. should stay between 90 and 120. Okay. Um, But, you know, when you have type one, it can, it can go anywhere from like 20 (laughs) to in the thousands Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. For like just, no reason or, or do you? Well, you know, yes and no. Yeah. Just to give you a little bit of insight of what it's like to try and manage this condition. It seems fairly straightforward, right? Mm-hmm. You eat food, you take insulin, but it's not that simple um, because so many things affect your blood sugar, exercise, hormones, stress, mm-hmm. uh, Waking up in the morning, going to sleep. I mean, the the list of things that affect your blood sugar just goes on and on. I mean, coffee. I could drink black coffee, no carbs, nothing. But because it has caffeine in it, I still have to give myself insulin because caffeine is going to make my blood sugar spike. Huh. So there's so much. I mean, sitting in traffic too long, whatever gets your adrenaline going. I was going to say stress. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so many things. So I've actually, the last six months, um, my blood sugar has just been stubbornly high. I mean, I will wake up and my blood sugar will be 230 for no reason. And so, and my doctor is so wonderful. I mean, Dr. Snow, if you ever listen to this, you have changed my life. Oh, that's He's amazing. so wonderful, but he works so hard with me. We dig into my reports and we dig into my food logs and we're just tweaking and tweaking and tweaking. And it's like, we're pulling our hair out. Yeah. What is going on? So to answer your question, yeah, sometimes it's for no reason. Yeah. The last six months, it feels like for no reason. Um, I think what I've come to the conclusion is that I think my insulin pump just isn't working for me anymore. Mm. Um, and I'm switching, Mm -hmm. but so much of taking care of diabetes is also taking care of your mental health. So much of your mental and emotional energy, um, has to go into managing the condition Mm -hmm. that when you get tired and you do, you get tired of it because this is a 24 seven thing. Mm you start to slip on things. You don't make the correct decisions or you say, you know what? I'm not, I don't even want to make that decision right now. It's just going to do whatever it wants. Mm -hmm. So when I was thinking about the conversation that we were going to have today, I, and and not, I'm, I'm, I've already learned, (laughs) learned stuff (laughs) about this because I I didn't know it was an autoimmune, but I did know based on videos that you've posted and things that you've said in the past, like how time intensive it is to, to manage it. And I thought, especially with your 
I was going to say newborn, but he's a year now. Like, like, this is like a second child. Oh, yes. I tell people all the time, Noah is not my first child. Right. Diabetes is my first child. Yeah. Diabetes is way harder to manage than my 14-month-old. And <sighs> now granted, have a great kid. Yeah. He's wonderful. Yeah. Perfect in every way. <laughs> it, but diabetes, man, if I wake up in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. it's not because of Noah. It's because mm. my CGM alarm is going off telling me my blood sugar is too high or too low. It's because my pump is going off because my insulin reservoir is low or something isn't connecting like there's mm. an occlusion and I'm not getting insulin. I mean, I oh, when is the last time I actually slept through the night? I don't. <laughs> oh, I mean, gosh. I don't know. And that's yeah. the frustrating thing is like if I'm waking up in the middle of the night, I want it to be because of my kid. Right. Like, he's at least cute. <laughs> you can diabetes use, is just yeah. annoying. That diabetes alarm. Diabetes is not cute. Mm-mm, not cute. Yeah. You ain't cute, diabetes. And it just makes me want to throw my phone against the wall every mm-hmm. time that alarm sounds or just rip my insulin pump off. Yeah. You get fatigued easily mm-hmm. when whenever you're trying to manage it, especially in a tough season like mm-hmm. I'm in right now. Mm-hmm. We have worked together in a myriad of ways, <laughs> which has yeah. been fun. But one of the things that I was saying earlier, it's been fun to see your career evolve and where you are now. It feels like such a perfect match yeah. for something that you experience day in, day out personally, but then being able to be encouraging yes. to other people going through this exact same thing. And maybe this is a part, like, how do you sing through that? Like, how do you keep your energy up oh, yeah. to be able to encourage other people? And then, and also I haven't even said what you do. So go ahead and <laughs> yeah, talk a little bit about that too. So yeah. I'm the outreach coordinator for JDRF, which mm-hmm. is the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. And um, our chapter is the Middle and East Tennessee chapter. So um, we get to cover both geographies. It's great. I feel like it's difficult. Um, it can definitely be difficult to live with it mm-hmm. and also work in it. But I find it really helpful, just honestly. Um, When I'm in this season like this, Mm -hmm. I work with five other women, and four of them have type 1. Oh, wow. in my workplace, I'm normal. (laughs) I mean, I'm not normal. Well, you're you're in the majority. But, yeah. You have a lot in common. Yeah, they know. I mean, when my CGM alarm goes off, they know the sounds. They're like, oh, you're low. Just talk to me in 20 minutes. Like, Mm -hmm. if we're in the middle of the meeting and... Someone's blood sugar goes low. I don't have to explain myself. Mm -hmm. I don't have to explain what I'm feeling. I don't have to explain what is happening in my body because they all understand, which is so nice and so helpful. Um, Because even in workplaces where they want to understand and they do everything they can to understand, they just, there's something about feeling it Mm -hmm. that helps so much Mm -hmm. when you're in it. So my job, you know... (laughs) I wear a lot of hats with my job, but one one part of my job is to talk to newly diagnosed families. Um, so when a family is diagnosed or an individual is diagnosed, we have these bags. We call them a bag of hope, and it has wow. it's a backpack, and it has just resources and um, just reading materials. And for the kids, we put this teddy bear inside. His name is Rufus, and that is what um, the clinicians use to help, like, Practice giving shots and practice mm-hmm. putting on an insulin pump site. It's like you can do it on Rufus and then you can do it on yourself. And the kids, I mean, the kids love Rufus. I love Rufus. I'm 33. <laughs> so part of my job is to call those families and just say, hey, 
I have this too. I yeah. understand what you're going through. What can I help you with? What are your questions? What are you struggling with? Mm-hmm. Um, and because I don't know if, you know, you're into the Enneagram oh, or yeah. whatever. Okay. So Enneagram I'm a three two. wing four. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so I am a two, okay. which is the helper. helper. And, um, Twos are very empathetic, and we also took the strengths finder mm-hmm. test mm-hmm. at um, at work, and we use that a lot. Um, it's so helpful. It is so helpful. And my top strength is empathy. Oh wow! So yeah. while I love, I mean, and, and that helps me so much building those relationships. But mm-hmm. I will get off the phone and just be crying. Gosh. I mean, it it takes so much energy, but it also at the same time gives me fulfillment and gives me energy too because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, what I'm doing matters Mm -hmm. and it helps me and it helps them. And I mean, that is how I sing through this. Singing looks like crying a lot of the times. It's just, it's, but it feels so good. I mean, it feels so good in my heart to be able to help those people. And that's just with my job. Before I even started working for JDRF, I was speaking to groups of people with type Mm -hmm. one and I was posting, I mean, you've seen my videos. I think it's so important for people to see the real, real life T1D instead of just, oh, here's my perfect blood sugar and here's my perfect A1C and oh my gosh. everything's fine. And everything's fine. Yeah. I exercised and I didn't go low and that doesn't help anyone. That makes people feel worse. And social media in general, we're just seeing people's highlights. That's right. It drives me nuts. (laughs) And I want to show the gross part. Like Mm -hmm. here is a really crappy day. I have a type one. I'm going to make a video. Here's my terrible graph of my blood sugar. You can see I've been high all day, no time in range. Like I'm just out here living my terrible T1D <laughs> life today, but people need to see that because yeah. everyone goes through it. Even the people that are posting their perfect graphs and their perfect diets and oh, geez. all that fun stuff. There is a speaker. Well, she's a speaking coach. Her name is Sally Zimney. And one of the things that when I, I had the opportunity to to work with her, my husband and I did, and I sat in, I took a lot, I did my sketch notes, you know. Oh, yes. I love your sketch and, notes. Thank you. <laughs> but she said a couple of things that really stuck to me. One, share from your scars, not your scabs. Yeah. Oh, love that. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. The second part was when she was talking about how stories are actually a bridge to bring us together. And so that was kind of a force for this. You know, most of the podcasts that I listen to are celebrities, you know, musicians, authors. My friends have amazing stories to tell. And I just want to be a part of sharing those stories because this is authentic. This is every day. These are real people who are just working a job and just trying to help people. Yes. You know, and I think so many people are caught up in I can't help anyone because I'm still in the middle of my mess. Mm -hmm. That's so not true. Mm -hmm. You can help people. I feel like you can help people even more by inviting people in Mm -hmm. to your messy middle. Yes, come on. Yes. You don't have to be polished to go talk to people. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be polished to have someone sit down with you for coffee. I mean, you don't have to have all the answers. Yes. How you help people is so subjective. Mm -hmm. What you think might be the right answer might not be what they need to hear at that time. That's right. So it's just so important to 
to just share where you are because somebody somewhere needs to hear that. Because they are going through the exact same thing. Exactly. I could not agree more. We had a sermon at church a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. and the pastor said, everyone makes sense in light of their story. And wow, that hit me like a ton of bricks when you're trying to understand people and when you're Mm -hmm. trying to, or when you start to get a little judgy and you just think, one, everyone has a story. Mm-hmm. Two, everyone makes sense in light of their story. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And I am so... And if we would all just take time yes, to hear those stories. To hear those stories. We would have more understanding. Absolutely. And you're right. Everything would make more sense. Yeah. Thank yes. you, Chris Nichols at Crosspoint. Yes, Chris Nichols. <laughs> shout out. Yeah. Oh. I spoke at a JDRF event in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the keynote. And after I got done... Um, just, I was walking out of the ballroom because I was about to go do a breakout session and all these kids, like these five kids just swarmed oh me gosh. and it was uh, amazing, but very surprising because they're tiny and I didn't necessarily <laughs> see them coming until they were right there. Um, but I just, oh, they were so precious. They were like, oh, I have diabetes too. And they're like showing me their insulin pumps and they're asking me all these questions like, oh, you have a blue one. Mine is pink. And I mean, just connecting over those, those seemingly little things. Mm -hmm. But for the rest of the day, they were like my little buddies. And one of them in particular, his name is Nathaniel. I think he's eight and his mom and I are friends on Instagram. And one time, um, I had a low, I had a low blood sugar and you know, I post about it. I was on it. I, posted an Instagram story about it. And she messaged me and said, Nathaniel had one too. And gosh, he was just on the couch and he's still trying to come up from it. Mm. And, um, I was like, Oh, well, I hope he's feeling better. And then his mom recorded a video of him and he was like, Hey, Miss Rachel. Oh my God. I hope that you're feeling better. I had a low, I'm finally feeling better. Just stuff like that. And while I'm still low, because when you have a low blood sugar, you're way emotional. I mean, yeah. way emotional. And I'm just like crying oh, gosh. Um, because it's just so sweet and so precious. So awesome. But those kids, I mean, I was diagnosed as an adult, so I don't know what it's like to be a kid with type mm-hmm. one. I can't imagine. They are so resilient and they are mm. so strong. And they inspire me. They make me want to be better, do better, and find a cure for this stupid thing because <laughs> a child should not have to deal with this. Yeah, I was going to add just listening to that. I love that they have found a community in this because I think you are stronger together, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. But what has all this taught you about life and about, you know, you raising your own son yeah. now? There are so many things, and probably my answer would very day to day, but you just can't control everything. Mm-hmm. You can't take things too seriously. Yeah. That's kind of my natural personality anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very upbeat and positive and that's just, I mean, it's just who I am. And I think it served me well <laughs> having to live with this condition. Right. And I know not everyone's naturally like that, but living with type one, living with a chronic illness, um, it really teaches you resiliency. Mm-hmm. And you don't even realize it. You don't realize because what it's, it's just, teaching you. Just you just have to be. Because you just have to yeah. be that. The strength inside of me, I attribute to diabetes. Also, the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I would not have made it this far without him. One of my friends, his name is Rob Howe, and he is 
an incredible influencer in the diabetes community. Mm. He's so wonderful. He's in Dallas, but he um, sent out an email and in it, this is going to stick with me forever. He said, diabetes didn't happen to you. It happened for you. Mm. And if you can, like, if you can really grasp that, that sounds, that sounds hard at first. Mm -hmm. Their diabetes did not happen for me. If someone came in here right now and said, I will take this away from you. Here's a gift. Here you go. Take (laughs) it away. Right. But that's not going to happen. That's not a thing that happens in real life. And and that can go for anything in life, not just diabetes. But if you take this hard, difficult situation and say this happened for you, how Mm -hmm. can you how can you reframe your mindset to where this happened for you? Mm -hmm. It relieves so much heaviness and burdens because exactly you're changing your perspective and it's a major shift and it's so incredibly helpful. Thank you, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) We'll give him credit. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Last question. Okay. Because the show is called starting with a song. Mm -hmm. What is your signature song? My gosh, it is. Can't Stop the Feeling by Justin Timberlake. I love it. I mean, I just, when that song came out, I was like, oh. I mean, you just got to move to it. Yes. You can't can't. sit still. Yeah. I mean, he wrote that song for me. Not for trolls. This is not for trolls. The whole troll soundtrack is great. Just BT dubs. At first, when you said that, I was like, trolls? But you're talking about the movie. The movie. Okay. Yeah. Because it's on the movie (laughs) soundtrack. What kind of troll is going to... It's for the movie trolls. (laughs) So he had Rachel Mayo Uh, in mind. He did. Yeah. He was like, you know, this girl, she came to my concert in 2006. Well, I mean, he's from Tennessee. It's plausible. Okay. I love JT. I mean, it talks about dancing. Yes. Dance, dance, dance. Yeah. I did a flash. I was in a flash mob because that was the song. I was like, I have to do this flash mob. Yeah. So that's another part of my dancing. I've done so many flash mobs. Give me a little bit more on that. Um, You know, how does one get involved in a flash mob? I don't know. It just happens. I saw (laughs) the, okay, the first flash mob I did was like in... 2010. I don't know. It was beat it on Broadway. Some singer was turning, I don't know, 30 and his wife wanted to do something big. What? Are you on, are you in a group? I don't, don't, (laughs) that was a long time ago. This, the last one when we did can't stop the feeling was for like a holiday party at Mm. some corporate event. Okay. And I don't, I honestly don't <laughs> remember how I came across Are it. Are you on a list? A I flash feel like, mob okay, list. actually, you know what? There is an email list called <laughs> Flash Mob America. And now that you say that, I think that's how I came across that one. But the other ones have just been like face, Facebook stuff. Yeah. I just see it on Facebook because Facebook algorithms know your girl likes Flash Mobs. So... Hey, flash mob event. I'll we'll put this in her feed. So good. Yeah. I what's, mean, what's next for Rachel Mayo? Oh, oh my gosh. That's a great question. So I talk with a mentor every week. His name is Kevin Adams and he is like, oh, he's amazing. He's really helped me in my faith the last year and a half mm-hmm. or so. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we've really just been talking about what does, what does Rachel look like as Rachel, not just Rachel as a mom or Rachel yeah. as an employee or Rachel as a friend? Like, who were you created to be and, and what what is it that just gives you life? What makes you mad? What do you want to fix? And, and what are your God-given talents that you can use to just be who you're supposed to be? I think that's so important because oftentimes, I mean, I know for me, 
um, especially as an Enneagram three, I'm tying my identity to my work yes. and my, the things that I'm doing yeah. and the awards that I'm winning yep. or whatever. You just have to focus internally instead of worrying what other people are thinking about you and your life and your accomplishments 100%. or what you're doing and what you're not doing. Mm-hmm. And so we've really been digging in lately and I just, I want to help people. And there are mm. so many groups of people I want to help. And, and one of those groups is people of type one. And I want to continue to build that out. And what does that look like? But mm. beyond that, I mean, that's what I'm looking at right now, but I, I'm just seeing, you know, young, young women. I always, I have a heart for young girls, especially at, with culture today. And it's like, you have to be and act a certain way. And you're, I want young women to understand that their worth comes from being just who they are Mm -hmm. and not because they have the perfect clothes or because whoever thinks they're pretty or or, not that they have to earn anything. They don't have to earn anything. So that's kind of what's next is like, how do I do that? And how am I using the opportunities that are given to me that are right in front of me? How can I look for other ways to, to do that and expand outside of type one and, and help women and single moms and women in crisis. And I just like all these people, I just want to, I just want to give everyone a hug. I mean, (laughs) I just want to do that. So that's what's next. I love it. Let's do it. (laughs) Hugs across America or across the world. Across the world. Across the world. Let's do it. I love it. Yeah. Rachel, thank you for coming and spending some time. This was so fun. I so appreciate you and your heart. I appreciate you. This is a great podcast. People need to hear great things from normal people. Hey, I love it. Not celebrities. I mean, yes, let's hear stuff from celebrities, but everybody. Regular people have cool stuff too. Everybody has a story. Thanks again. (laughs) Thank you. This was fun. A big thank you to Rachel for helping us close out season one. And thanks to you for spending some time with us today. You make today better. If you liked what you heard, you can connect with me on Instagram at Artistic Amanda and Rachel at The Rachel Mayo. Exactly how it sounds. That's all I've got for today, friends. I would love for you to subscribe to Starting With a Song wherever you listen to podcasts. We're working on some really fun things for season two, so stay tuned. 